0: Consequence Podcast Network. Clint, Kate, continue with the discussion you were having about your ailments.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ladies first.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Um, As anyone who's seen my picture uh, over at Twitter or the AV Club will probably identify, I am super pale and I burn... Instantly, and I was like, you know, my parents are helping me out at my student's recital this weekend. I'll do something nice for them. I will mow their lawn. I don't need sunscreen. It's not that. It's not that uh, bright out, and that was foolish, because uh, now I am glowingly red, and uh, still I'm not warm anymore, which is nice. It's but it's like been a couple days later, and I still, uh, yeah, I'm just tired. I'm just I'm constantly drinking water and and t- tired. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. Well, uh well, I didn't have the greatest week either. I mean, well, I it was a decent week, but my legs still haven't 100% recovered. I still have like a bad case of old man leg from uh on Tuesday, I decided to go to the gym for the first time in like 6 months, and I decided to go from zero to spin class. And I've never <laughs> taken a spin class before, but it's very loud. And uh, you can't hear what the person is shouting into the microphone half the time. Uh, and also, ten minutes in, I couldn't do the thing where you're standing on the pedals and doing it. Because my quads had just given out. So I hobbled back to the home. And uh, ever since then, I haven't really been able to get up and downstairs stairs that great. So now I know what it's going to be like when I'm old.
2: Okay. Legit thing. Are you walking down the stairs backwards?
1: No. Do oh, no, this is
2: that? a... Yes, this is a thing. This is... I I know from having run marathons. Like, when your legs are dead, if you... When you're going down the stairs facing forwards, it, no but if you just walk down the stairs backwards and if there's a railing that that helps um yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it's way easier on your legs so you're welcome try it out no,
1: well thank you thank you but i also realize that the genie's out of the bottle now and now i have to go back it, I, I feel mm-hmm. like i'm trapped in this like vicious cycle <laughs> this vicious soul cycle um uh... i know boomy boomy but uh yeah because now i have to go back because otherwise if i don't in 6 weeks if i do it again the same thing's going to happen and i'm going to be out of commission for a week <laughs> anyway <Your> <laughs> will be health yes indeed how dare I Allison what's your week been like
0: this afternoon I took some time I I took a hair mask I put it on my hair. That meant that I had, I had to take a shower and wash my hair. Then I put this tomato-based hair mask on my hair. And then I had to leave it for 15 minutes. And then I, I had to take another shower to rinse the hair mask out of my hair. And now I look like a shampoo commercial. And I'm relaxed for the first time in two weeks. Suck it.
2: I hate you so much right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's d- definitely a hair mask. Welcome to TV party. Um <laughs> <laughs> There are very few times when there's a conversation in which people are trading woes where I don't think, yep, that sounds about right. But for two hours this afternoon i didn't type anything i didn't watch television i listened to an audiobook and did something fancy to my hair It was heaven, and I'm about to take that tranquility and destroy it by talking about Roseanne.
1: (laughs) Uh, I hate that we're in this position.
0: I know, but let us we're going to have a really awesome and kind of sad episode today because we are doing a hall of faces for a completed television series, and that series is The Americans, the FX all-timer that uh, ended its run just a few short days ago. I am very excited to talk about it. Uh, but first we're going to have to wade through all this bullshit. Um, <laughs> so let's try to keep it short because that bitch doesn't deserve any more of our time. So yes, news of the week. Clint, take us away. Get, Guide us. Lead us. Oh, do I have
1: to? Okay. Yeah. So since we last left you, a whole bunch of shits happened with Roseanne. Uh, basically, Roseanne uh, put out a really, really racist tweet. I won't repeat the contents, but uh, luckily for the... Maybe the first time ever in a while, uh, some actual consequences happened over like someone giving hate speech over social media, and her show was promptly canceled after this like two-hour-long gray area where Wanda Sykes quid and everything else, and we were all talking about it. And then, uh, then yeah, the 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 show is canceled. The show is canceled. Conservatives are. Uh, outraged about it and offering all kinds of false equivalences and like, oh, why don't you fire Bill Maher? And I'm like, you know what? We'll give you. We'll give him to you. But yeah, it's just been a whole week long whirlwind of all kinds of social media discussion and false equivalences. And Allison, I think you showed me something the other day where uh, ABC may be considering rebooting Roseanne without her with like a Sarah Gilbert-led new show or something like that. It's a whole thing.
0: Yeah, the word now, there was a report relatively late on Friday from TMZ, so grain of salt, uh, but they say multiple sources suggesting that ABC has been in Rather urgent talks with Sarah Gilbert and presumably a bunch of producers and people with money and like lawyers and publicists (laughs) um, to determine whether or not it is possible to save Roseanne as a reboot that would be presumably titled Darlene, which would do what Roseanne sort of already did in its newer incarnation and center on Darlene. Um, and that sounds like it would have been a great idea a year ago. Um, now it sounds like a desperate grab for money um, th- that no one can emerge from looking good. Like, I just don't know how on earth... Anybody ends up feeling good about this? Are they just going to... So, first of all, narratively, is Roseanne just going to be dead? Is she going to be in jail? Is she going to be... Well, she's just in it, but is never mentioned again? Like, first of all, that's just... It all feels kind of Kevin Canway-ish and, like, weird, and I don't like that. Um just it just I don't I don't like it. I don't you would have to focus on that woman in some way and that is focus. Um and I just I don't know why they didn't do that to begin with. She's not suddenly racist. She's been racist. She's been a mess and a nightmare and a bully and a racist for a while. They knew that when they signed on at the TCA conference when they were talking about this you know like a year and change ago there were a bunch of questions <laughs> about Roseanne's politics and whether or not it would be in the show and it was contentious then so it's not like this is coming out of nowhere um and I am grossed out by it
2: Kate Hmm. um I would be interested in a like the Connors kind of show if there was a way to do it that made any sense and I don't think there is because of what you were just saying Allison um I enjoy most of the cast. I think they're very talented. They had so, some good writers. i do not not familiar with all of their writers, but of course, Manna Sykes is terrific. Um, and uh, if they want to do that show, great. But I don't think there's a way to do that show. I don't think there's a way to do Roseanne without Roseanne, unless you're going to kill her off. And I think we kind of saw how well that works when they did it uh, with their series finale previously. Um, it did not go over well. And I feel like doing that would feel like a, even more of a slap, in the face to their audience share that they were recording with this show so um yeah I, don't, I just
1: we'll see what has um sort of raised my spirits a little bit is in the wake of roseanne's cancellation a lot of people on twitter have rightfully pointed out that if you want some realistic good sitcoms about uh, working class american families there's shows like one day at a time and bob's burgers so like it's not like Roseanne was filling this hole that wasn't necessarily being filled elsewhere
2: well, it depends on what you think people were tuning into Roseanne for so I if, guess if, you, so. if you're actually looking for shows about economic anxiety for realsies <laughs> watch Speechless watch Superstore <laughs> Well, and that's what
0: I mean, I think that part of the reason that people are saying this is because that's what Roseanne did the first time. Like, that's what was relatively revolutionary about Roseanne is that it treated like it was a comedy, but it treated the financial realities of this family very seriously. And that was I mean, I remember watching as a kid and being sort of shocked because we were super poor and you didn't see people without money on TV all that often. So um, I think that their cor- it's too little too late and it's a course correction that is doomed to fail and it is too bad because that is a talented cast and yeah i i don't know i'm just the whole thing yeah. i'm already tired of talking about it and it's gonna be news for weeks
1: yeah yeah so maybe it's maybe it's best if we move forward um but uh in in other sort of contentious TV show news. Uh Lethal Weapon, I think the news broke last week that uh one of the leads in Lethal Weapon, the Lethal Weapon TV show, uh I think Clayne Crawford or something like that, um uh, has been dropped. They've renewed the show, but they've decided to replace him with Sean William Scott. And the big thing this week is that like some new set videos and reports and notes and memos and stuff came out about like the various Uh, Some of the various conflicts that happened with them on set, like Crawford was notably contentious on set, especially when he was directing, would verbally accost Damon Wayans, senior. Um, And you've heard, you you know, they had audio for that. But at the same time, like, they also tried to fire back by, like, sharing some memos from, like, uh, Damon Wayans' original contract, which was just things about, like, he needs to eat every two and a half hours and also he naps are very important to Damon Wayans. And I'm like, all this just makes him seem more relatable to me. So I don't know what the, the even handedness is, is, is achieving here.
2: Well, I did note that the, there's a piece in variety where they um, interviewed, I think it was like 31 cast and crew members. Like, be, be, I think it was it was below the line um, people involved in the show. And, uh, it, in the, that piece did mention that Wayne's is diabetic, which as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, the two and a half hours like food thing is probably has to do with being diabetic, but which just seems a lot more reasonable, you know, than than just randomly he likes snacks. But uh, the the thing that really was hit home to me in in that piece, I would advise anyone who's interested in it to go check out Variety's write up about it. Is that basically like both of these actors are very difficult to work with in different yeah. ways and um, Crawford uh, being like verbally and uh, ver- verbally abusive to people. And just like th- basically just like this idea of those two guys being very difficult in very different ways that really like exacerbate each other um, led to a terrible place to work. Um, and uh, of, of the, of, of as one person said, like between, Passive-aggressive and aggressive-aggressive, they got rid of the aggressive-aggressive one. Now, Clint Crawford is a terrific actor. He's really, really good. Anybody who's seen Rectify knows that. Uh, But you don't get to just yell at children who are being too loud. That's not how it works. (laughs)
1: Right, and then there's that exchange where he just, you know, he calls Damon Wayans a, a, a pussy and, like, basically accuses him of only being around because his brothers are more successful and that kind of stuff. You know, it's just really unprofessional behavior, especially when he's behind the camera. Like, m- no, much less, you know, being one of the stars. You know, when you're a director, you're in charge of that episode, you need to be able to set the tone for the shoot. And, uh, yeah, just bad, bad news all around.
2: Just, like, this idea of... of- Crawford accusing Williams of being really unprofessional and not, you know, engaged. You know, which is supported by what people other people work on the show It's like, yeah, definitely does not care about this show at all. But when it's time to shoot, he does a good job, you know. and and um, what I still find so entertaining by about all of this is that, um with all of this insanity going on behind the screen, I, I'm very glad that I wouldn't have to work on a job like that. But, they still managed to do their jobs and actually be in scenes together, unlike certain people on the Good the Good Wife. I mean, even they could manage to do their jobs when the camera was rolling,
1: right? And you know, I wish I had a nickel every time I had to say this, but I really hope that Stifler's presence is a positive effect on this uh, on this show.
2: Hey, I think he can be really terrific. He's, I think great, he's great in the Rundown.
1: Yeah, yeah. If, if anyone has doubts, watch the Goon movies.
0: Allison, do you have any thoughts? I've never seen it. What's God? What I mean, Arrested Development makes me mad. Makes me mad now too, but I don't know it, and I won't acknowledge it. That's what I have to say.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, that's fair. But I do have a little bit of happier news. I'll just breeze past this one. Uh, one of the subjects in the first season of Netflix's Queer Eye remake, the the episode, the episode, they actually really good episode about the uh, closeted gay man who has. Uh, a boyfriend, and like the whole arc of the episode is about coming out to his mom. Uh, Those two are married now, and I just thought that was a nice bit of sunshine to brighten our day in the midst of all this terrible news.
2: Yay. Hooray. Hooray.
1: Now to bring the hammer back down.
0: (laughs) I feel like maybe this is one that we can mostly skip and direct people to the Televerse, where I'm sure it was discussed this week. Kate, is that true? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Perhaps. Uh, okay. So let me just say this: as a person with a vagina, um, I think Sam B can call anyone, anything she wants if it involves a, a fe- piece of female anatomy. Uh, I won't use the word cause I don't love to use the word personally, but there are people who do and it doesn't bother me. Obviously it's a word that's not a big deal in other countries. Um, in other countries uh, that was totally unintentional, it. but I'm embracing it. Um, and I want to tip my hat and salute all of the people on the internet, uh, who made the exact same joke, but it was good every time, which is that, um, that it was really rude of her to call her feckless. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) And here's the thing. Like the problem is that people are conflating it with the thing Roseanne said, which is in no way. I mean,
0: first of like, here's the thing. If, well, hey, if Bill Maher did it, I wouldn't be pissed because it's Ivanka Trump, but I could understand people being up in arms. But that's like, that's our word. There are circumstances in which I would say it and it would be to a group of women in a circumstance in which I felt like it would either be, funny and appropriate or like warranted anger um and uh sam B was totally right to use that word if that's what she was feeling that is that's a word that in this country at least belongs to women and we can say it whenever the fuck we want
1: right and it's the most selective outrage because they would if the roseanne thing hadn't happened they wouldn't have been saying anything about it that's my position i feel like they were looking for something to to use on the other side of whatever. course
2: I was legit surprised that that was a thing. <laughs> I just, like, right. clicked over to Twitter. I was like, what? what? Like, seriously?
1: Why is Sambi
2: trending? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, well,
2: well.
0: Um, she has lost two sponsors, both of whom said they were suspending their sponsorship, which to me means we're waiting for this to blow over and then we'll be back. Um, and she's gotten a lot of publicity out of it. Um, so, you know, I wish that she hadn't apologized, but I'm sure she had to. And uh, I look forward to more of her profanity in the future. And more from Sally uh, Field, too. Yeah, bless Sally Field. Oh, that was a great tweet. That was great. Um, Go find it on the internet. It's everywhere. Just search uh, Sally Field and um, cunt. (laughs) 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 Um, We have fun. We do. What a barrel of laughs. Uh, Okay, news. Let's keep rolling.
1: Uh, Heather's is dead.
0: Heather's is dead.
1: Long live Heather's. Yeah,
0: Legion is renewed. It's, so that is a thing.
1: Andrew Lincoln is finally leaving the Walking Dead, like after all of its fans, Nine. right?
0: Um, and then I'm gonna blow through this last bit because this is all news for me. So this is just stuff that maybe is coming that I'm excited about that got announced or got a, landed a network or got a release date or got a series order, or whatever. NBC is contemplating a a sort of overarching programming block called Blumhouse Presents, where they'll do sci-fi and horror on Netflix. It's um, kind of cool. I am really excited about it. The first one is called Cul-de-sac. It's from one of the producers of the Amazon Picnic at Hanging Rock, and it's about three families on a cul-de-sac, and shit starts to get weird. There is a show on HBO called You Know You Want This about consent, which, thank God, is being handled by two women, because if I see one more announcement of some angry white guy deciding this is his moment to make a horror movie or a play or a TV series about Harvey Weinstein. I'm gonna lose my mind. So this is from two women um, both from The Leftovers and I'm excited about it. But here is the one that blew my mind. Apple gave a full series order to an Emily Dickinson comedy starring Haley Steinfeld. What? It is an Emily Dickinson comedy. A comedy... About Emily Dickinson,, okay. <laughs> where Haley plays Emily Dickinson and it is going to live at Apple.
1: Well, you know that makes sense because Emily Dickinson was such a sunny uh, writer.
0: I could not be more in for this. yeah that I, like I could not I'm apparently that I am exactly the demographic. I cannot wait. I want it immediately.
1: Would you say you're quietly passionate about it?
0: Oh God. <laughs> Like, did they reach into your brain for this one? Uh, well, if they had, it would have been a musical. So, like, it's close. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's, true. Um, it's close, but but not quite. Uh, and then the last one, Emma, <laughs> Emma, 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 Uma Thurman is going to be uh, toplining a drama series at Netflix called Chambers.
2: So yeah, I'm very excited about that one. That's supposed to be genre too, right? Yes. yeah
0: i sci-fi somebody dies and weird things start to happen i don't know i'm excited about it any other thoughts does anybody else want to say anything about roseanne or the word cunt
1: i shouldn't no
2: (laughs) kate (laughs) um uh just if people have trouble with that word just start watching more british comedy yeah. I ju- my
0: hesitance about it is mostly based on the number of times I've been called that word by men. It always feels really good to say, but I am wary of triggering other people because it's sometimes jarring to me in the same way because it's hurled like a slur, which it is when people
2: use it like a slur. Um, but mm. but it's also a part of the body. And yes. also, I, I should specify, if you are wanting to, to anesthetize yourself to it—that is—if <laughs> you don't like that word, it, I'm not telling you you need to get over that, you know. But if you are looking to be more to uh, have that as part of your vocabulary, and you don't want to flinch at it, um, seek out some British comedy. Yeah.
1: yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Also, I believe in its original broadcast, it was bleeped.
2: Uh, I didn't watch, so I don't know. Uh, either way, yeah. If it was, yeah. then this is even yeah. They more dropped the, the audio out for it. Yeah. All right.
0: Great. Let's keep this wagon train a rolling. Oh God.
1: Chugga 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 chugga. I'm
0: all I'm all of I'm all of a dither because i said a swear um so so let's talk about our best episodes of the week uh i am curious to hear all of yours uh kate what were the best things you watched on tv this week well
2: the the best thing i watched on tv this week is your pick so i'm gonna leave it for you but it's like not even close oh it's (laughs) our pick (laughs) it's our pick We'll, we'll share that and talk about it a little bit later but uh the other i watched a few other things but the thing i watched this week Besides your pick, that I most enjoyed was actually Michelle Wolf's stand-up for 2017. Nice lady, her HBO special, and it was super duper funny. I had seen some clips uh, previously, but if you haven't sought it out, seek sought it out. Go go look it up and um, laugh a bunch about croissants. Um, the the break with Michelle Wolf did start up on Netflix. Had a solid first episode, but nice lady. I mean, it's a, she's honed it, you know, for as any comedian does when they're getting ready for their HBO special, if they get one, um, really worked that material. So obviously it was much stronger than just the first episode of the break, but the break was still an interesting and fun, uh, first episode. And I'll be following that one. Have you guys seen Nice Lady? No, I have not. Oh, it's like a uh, comeback kid by Mulaney level funny for me. At nice. Least. Wow. Okay. Well, that's going to jump up the
0: list then. Um, excellent. And we'll talk about our pick in a little bit. Clint, what is your pick? Picks.
1: Hello, and welcome to I Can't Shut Up About the Expanse. I'm Clint Worthington. Uh <laughs> And uh, I'll just I'll just speak quickly. Like I legit was searching for other like I legit did not want to talk about The Expanse, but the great thing about the show is that it keeps topping itself week after week. I will stop talking about it once it does that. But the most recent episode um it's called uh, it reaches out. Continues so wonderfully on the this new status quo they set up last week. And all I'll say about it real quick is that it does what I thought was previously impossible, which is one of the problems with shows like this is that it it sort of has a great ensemble cast full of interesting characters centered around a comparatively bland lead, and what this new episode did was give the bland lead some interesting shit to do to basically go crazy over the course of the episode. And so that for that reason alone, I thought it was a great pick. Um, I also wanted to give a quick shout-out to uh, the new season of Kimmy Schmidt, which is actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be, especially its third episode, which is called Party Monster, Scratching the Surface, and it is a Making a Murderer-style true crime Documentary parody featuring John Ham's character, aka DJ Slizzard, and it's actually amazing. But my main pick, uh, the one I'll go into a little more detail, is the pilot of Pose, the uh, the new FX series by Ryan Murphy. The first, the end, the final one by him before he uh, saunters off, before he sashays away, if you will, to the big red N. Uh, we've talked about it before. We talked about it in our summer TV preview extravaganza, and it is a sort of, it's a riot, It's a very Ryan Murphy drama set in the world of the of the 1980s New York ball scene. If you've seen the documentary Paris is Burning, the the, the earmark are very clearly there um it's it's kind of like a glamorized glitzy fictionalized version of that world and um the first episode uh, i've seen the first four the first episode is a really decent introduction to the world and actually i've written a piece on what i've seen so far you can find that at consequence of sound i gave it largely a rave um it has uh, it has the largest transcast um assembled for a scripted drama i believe and by the time the fourth episode comes along, all of them are, are to a T amazing. And um, I think you see the first glimmers of that in the pilot. It's just a wonderful setup to the world. I won't give too much more detail, but it's it's Ryan Murphy in all the best and like some of the worst ways. But I think his particular skill set is uh, well used in in pose. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it's good and I hope to see it get better.
0: I have also seen the first four. <laughs> I also have a piece I did about it which you can find at rogerebert.com. Uh but Clint and I were mostly in agreement on this, which is that any hiccups that are early on are just sort of a young series finding its footing, some actors that are a little bit green around the gills. Um, but every but, I, but most of them are terrific from the word go, even those that are a little shakier um, are still super watchable and then by the time we get to episodes three and four it's doing something really lovely and it's absolutely the most conventional Ryan Murphy show I've seen in some time Um, it's just about these people and their families it just happens to be in this really um, specific world confronting some very specific and upsetting issues Um, and I'm very impressed I
2: can't wait to see where it goes
1: yeah it's legit great
2: Wait, it's legit great, or it's good, and it's gonna, and it's getting even better because I was all super hyped, and then I was like, okay, temper, and then uh, you guys were like, it's great. So where should I be? I think what I would say is temper a little. Um, mm-hmm. There
0: are hiccups, and it's like I said, in some ways, a very conventional drama. Um, but it's a well done one, and the episodes three and four in particular, um, I think they're both written by Janet Mock and Our Lady J. It might be just Janet Mock as one of them, and the other is Janet Mock and Our Lady J. And it is uh, they're very well acted, well directed. Um, there are definitely hiccups. There's a James Vanderbeek character who's very entertaining to watch, but who just d- doesn't need to be there at all. And pretty much every scene with him is pretty frustrating. But uh, the stuff that's good is so good, and feels important but not in an eat your vegetables way um just like in an important way that um that I think it's pretty special I'm not sure it's not my favorite show of the year by any stretch uh, but it has at least one of my favorite performances of the year a couple performances I think are outstanding one in particular and um some very powerful stuff in it so I'll be very curious to know what you think Kate
1: yeah, 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 I would say temper your expectations, especially for the first two episodes. I agree completely, with, completely with Allison that the ball stuff is pretty much almost to a person fantastic, but the weak part is right now, at least, like the Beek character and like the attempts to shine a light on Trump era America by showing like '80s era Trump Tower business. Uh, and like having those sorts of '80s guys play a part in the story, which doesn't mesh as well with the ball stuff. But um, I'm maybe they'll go somewhere interesting with it. But right now, there's just like creaky little asides by Vanderbeek, being like, "Oh man, Trump on the front page of the New York Post. Man, he's so good at playing the media." Wink, wink. Okay, yeah. so
2: it's still Ryan Murphy, basically, is what I'm hearing. Fair yeah, enough. a little
1: bit, but the highs are very high
0: okay yeah and the that you can tell that that's the ryan murphy part stephen cannells who's the person basically the origin of the show is that ryan murphy had optioned paris is burning to find a way to make it into a series and it just wasn't come together and then a friend told him that they had gotten wind of a really great pilot by a writer named stephen cannells or canals whichever um and they had a meeting and got on really well and he's uh a gay writer of color and Made a point of saying, like, if you do this, I want to make sure that there's not going to be any tokenization. I want to make sure it's a diverse writer's room. I don't want this to just be tragedy porn. It's really important to me that this be something else. And Ryan Murphy was very enthusiastically on board with all of that and seems to really be putting his money where his mouth is. It's um, And the result is, is really good. Not flawless, um, but but really good with a lot of promise
1: I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing more episodes like especially once they really find their foot in episode 3 and, and episode 4 especially I think is the greatest episode they've done so far
0: amazing Clint was that it for you? yeah that
1: thanks. was it my no. million shows yes. <laughs> all right Allison what about you? Uh,
0: I also picked a million things the little ones Um, I so I'm like a low level basketball fan it's mostly like I'm a basketball fan by proxy because my partner is a huge basketball fan and when we got together uh, I started just trying to be supportive and as it turns out I really like watching basketball um, and hey it's a lot less odious than the NFL so um It's the NBA Finals now, and anyone who's been anywhere near the internet has has seen the result of the first game of the NBA Finals, uh, which is a meme that's going to last for a thousand years of LeBron sort of (laughs) gesturing in despair uh, in the direction of the scoreboard because a fellow Cavaliers player just thought they were winning and dribbled out basically a tie. Um, and potentially, there are other factors that actually lost them this game, but potentially lost them this game in which the Cavs did very little. And LeBron was like a, like a God. Um, and it was just really, really entertaining to watch. And it's, and it was on TV and it's nice for me to remember that I do actually like watching sports and it is actually television. So it was good TV. Um, and really highly rated TV too, so that was all over deadline this week. Anyway, uh, so there was that. I also took some time this week to make sure I got caught up on Vita, which is only four episodes in and they're half an hour, so it was really like 90 minutes of me catching up because I had only seen the pilot um, but God, that gets really good. Uh, and coupled with Outlander and American Gods, it I think it officially makes stars the home for really hot sex on television that isn't just aimed at men. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but the performances are just great. And I'm really enjoying Vita. Vita, because it lives in that weird in-between zone, uh, I feel strange about picking it because there will have been a new episode by the time this airs and I don't have screener access for it um but I'm sure the episode that's airing tomorrow night the night after we're recording which would be the night before you're hearing it um is also great so go watch Vita I think it's not getting huge numbers and I really would like to stay around so go watch Vita but my actual pick um (laughs) <laughs> one of the... I still think... Kate asked me this question last week on the Televerse, um, and I've been thinking about it since she asked. Uh, she said, do you think this is one of the great season finales of all time? And I think it is, so I want to talk about Start, the season finale, the season six finale, and series finale of The Americans, the great FX series, about a nice little couple that happen to be Russian spies, and they're deeply fucked up kids. Um... Clint has not seen start. But he is aware yes. that it's unavoidable. <laughs> he's come to terms. He's made his peace. Yeah, uh, This is not going to be the last piece of Americans discussion that happens in this episode. Um, so he's he is ready for it. I've also already read the Wikipedia.
1: Him, you won't shock me.
0: I've also assured him that even if he knows what happens, it's not going to diminish his enjoyment because the show is just that good. It's one of those things where I really like to remain unspoiled for this show. I... Um, was always really glad when I want, got to see it without knowing anything about it because I enjoyed it so much. But if I did something happened, if I didn't get to watch it right after it aired and I stumbled onto it in the internet, it didn't actually diminish my enjoyment. I just enjoyed it in a different way. Um, so yeah. So start. Um, Kate, you
2: asked me that question. Have you thought about it since you asked? Honestly, no, because I already said I thought it was. <laughs> but, um, but also because I, you know, I'm going to need even more space in uh, time, but I loved the finale. It was so good, which is why we talked about it for a half hour for the delivers. Um, but I could talk about it for very, very much longer. Um, how about something I didn't talk about over there characters that we miss that didn't show up the male robot. Um, and also just like for a show that is so visceral and so full of, of action and movement and, uh, characters conveying all these worlds to each other. This was a episode with a, you know, a couple exceptions, obviously the big crash scene, but this was an episode mostly of people choosing things and, and responding to things for themselves. And, you know, like Philip and Elizabeth can see how they're reacting, but it's, it's less about communicating to other people and more about just self expression I feel like this episode and um, it's really, that's really interesting because I feel like a lot of this show was less that and more the other. What what do you think, Elson?
0: Well, the first thing I want to say is male Rob- robot is actually in this episode. He's just not moving. <gasps> oh, okay. Okay. It, it made me so happy because I didn't catch it the first time through and the, and Eric Adams, who's reviewed it for, over at the AV club for the last four seasons, um, Is an eagle-eyed male robot watcher, and he spotted it. And I went back, and it made me really happy that they found a way to make sure that lovers of male robot would get one last sighting. So when Stan is walking in to um, preparing to pretend to be shocked by the drawings of uh, the composite sketches of Philip and Elizabeth, um, he walks by the male robot in the hallway, and it's it's static, and there's something kind of sad about it. Um, Yeah, I. You know, I, uh, wished, there were other characters I wished I had seen more of. I, um, wish that we had gotten just, like, a teeny tiny bit more with Oleg. Um, I wish we would gotten a Martha sighting, but I never thought that was gonna happen. I would have liked one more scene with Claudia, though her last scene was about perfect, and I found it hard to imagine that we'd see any more, um... And yeah, I don't know. God, Kate, I don't even know. I don't even know what what to say. (laughs) Um, I, first of all, have at this point said quite a lot about the finale. And I don't want to repeat myself. And I don't remember what we talked about on the televerse and what I talked about. I guessed it on a podcast called 18 to 49 um, that also talked about the Americans. Um, But also, I just, I feel like I've reached a point where it kind of just feels like this special little moment that I experienced in the last week, well, two weeks because I watched it early, but then watched it again. And, um, I've kind of reached the point where you take the stone and you rub at it so much that it starts to get polished and it gets even more beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about it at the moment. So I don't
2: actually even remember what you asked me. (laughs) That's okay. Don't worry about it. What did you ask me? Um, if you have any thoughts about communication in this episode versus the rest of the show and the idea of this episode has characters rather than communicate, express, communicating to each other and reading each other, they're expressing themselves um, and reacting for themselves with the exception of the garage scene.
0: I do. I was really struck in these last several episodes by how often elizabeth in particular was choosing not to act and the fact that there is a lot of action in the finale but it's just about being decisive about what can be done what has to be done what it means and how it can be accomplished so that the moments when they When they do something that's not purely practical, when they do something like, I mean, the most obvious example is taking the time to call Henry, or when they sort of take a moment when they're burying all their paperwork and the, and Chekhov's cyanide necklace, um, and, when they when Philip sort of hesitates in the McDonald's, or when they have that brief conversation about maybe he should stay, that they both know he's never gonna stay, or even the act of Philip getting up on the train after they see Paige on the platform and moving to sit with Elizabeth, even though that's a bad idea, um, because that's just a thing that needs to happen now. Um, it was even more striking because Elizabeth in particular spent a lot of time in the the preceding two episodes not acting not telling not killing not chasing um and it it sort of made all of that more heightened for me it felt like the most introspective sprint that a person couldn't make. They they knew what they had to do and they had to go and they had to be unsentimental about it, but were incapable of being unsentimental about it. And I think that that is um, a pretty fitting end to a series that was always about trying to balance what needs to be done and what what they want or wish that they could do.
2: One thing we didn't mention uh, yet, but um, I've just been thinking about is how much I love Elizabeth's coat this season. And how sad I was when I realized, of course, she doesn't still have it at the end of the episode. (laughs) Like, of course she wouldn't. It doesn't make any sense. But I wanted it with those little like flared like shoulders, you know, like I love that coat. I'm going to miss that coat on my TV. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty much at a Chris Farley show place with it. It's just so pretty. It It is is so pretty. So good.
0: (laughs) Um, Have you, with a couple of days distance, have you decided which one knocks you out more, brothers in arms or with or without
2: you? I think Brothers in Arms, just because it, I, I, you know, it was, we talked about this, It is so good in Two Cathedrals, but it didn't really hit me there. And so because it did hit me so strongly here, it it sort of like next leveled it. But With or Without You was also real good.
0: Yeah, I think it's With or Without You for me just because of when it comes back. like Like, that, what's
2: happening? And
0: the way it's used, it's... It's so it's like scalpel precise. It feel because Holly Taylor is just, um, she's so good, but she's so still. So it's like this roar of grief that roars for her of like grief and accusation and regret and fear and confusion and um resentment, like pouring out of her in the form of Bono. I I could never have (laughs) predicted it in a million years and I as god what a finale and that um, the parking garage scene is the thing that we will talk about forever with this finale like that scene is going to be taught it's going to be taught in classes when people are learning how to write for television it's going to be studied when people are studying media Um, it's going to be probably played quite a lot hopefully played quite a lot when the Emmys come up Um, but certainly when people are talking about the best TV of the year that's what we're going to return to but the thing that I keep flashing to like it happened to me the way that we flash to traumatic things when they happen to us Mm -hmm. the thing that I keep flashing to is that incredible shot of the train passing Holly Taylor and um, and that song kicking back in again I got chills just thinking about
2: it I've got in her performance is oh, amazing. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah. God, she's so good. Clint, I can't wait mm-hmm. for you to see it.
1: <laughs> it's gonna blow, can I. it's gonna blow your mind. I have so far to go. <laughs> oh,
0: I, it's just it's just gonna blow your mind. So yeah. before we get into um our Hall of Faces discussion for the Americans, Clint and I are adding a new segment for the next God, how long is the show? Have you checked?
1: One million years, it seems like <laughs> uh, It's been going on since the dawn of time and it will be going on long after the sun has reached heat death.
0: So Clint and I are sharing together, not watching together, although we should at some point because uh, we're going through the same process, which is that for you, for you personally, you listening, we have decided to watch this season of The Bachelorette. Uh, I've never seen a season of The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or any Bachelor in Paradise or any of those or really any... romance-based reality show that's just i've seen unreal uh that's about the extent of my exposure um but we decided that we're jumping in with this one and the extent of our coverage will be that this is going to be a segment you'll hear from now on um we do our bachelorette haiku and then let it go um clint how many do you have do you want to pick one
1: uh, I can. I get, I have three. Okay. I can pick one. Maybe
0: you do one, and I'll do one, and then we can decide if we want to do a second one.
1: Okay. Okay. All right. So me. I'll start.
0: Yes, you go first.
1: All right. Becca. Becca. <laughs> cries the man in the chicken suit. Becca, get your man.
0: Um, hilariously, one of mine <laughs> goes <laughs> like this. Becca. Becca. Bah. <laughs> Bacaw! 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 <laughs> hey, it's a living. <laughs> okay, I think because we were part twins on those, we should do one more.
1: So pick okay, one more. Okay. Trevor's giving off American Psycho vibes. Oh, he is the worst.
0: <laughs> okay, here's mine. Oh, you're a model? Take this rose and shove it, dick. Let's do the damn thing. <laughs> All right. This has been Bachelorette Haiku. Um, Kate, Kate ha- oh, thank you, thank you. I'm bowing yes. over my microphone. Uh, <laughs> yes, Kate, as have might. you ever seen a, a season of this ridiculous show? You must no. really? no, have. No, no, I've
2: not seen any of it, but my sister-in-law is quite fond, so I look forward to listening and, and living vicariously uh, through the season with these haikus
1: (laughs) it also gives me great life that both of our haikus were on the same subject
2: yeah yeah baka
0: baka Baka. i was very (laughs) proud of myself
1: and my third one was on ari's cardboard face
0: uh my third one while we also both did three my third one was about how i was only watching the show so i could write haiku that's
1: (laughs) nice okay playing the meta game
0: So, if you're just dropping in for the podcast for this episode, or have started listening recently and haven't gone back to old episodes, we do an episode format we call Hall of Faces. And it's where we choose to induct a character or not, a character or characters, into our TV Hall of Fame, which we call Hall of Faces, because we are desperate for clicks and it's Game of Thrones related. So... (laughs) Um, we, in honor of that stunning Americans finale, are going to do that for the Americans now. The way it works is this. We spend a couple of minutes talking about the characters that we didn't pick, which is usually something of a giveaway of the characters that we did. Uh, then we discuss our choices. Then we debate our choices and argue for them then we narrow either to one or to two, depending, because there are only three of them this, us in this episode, I expect we'll be narrowing to one. Then we decide whether or not that character belongs. There's no way we're going to say no with this episode, so expect that part to be pretty climactic because it's the Americans. Of course, a character from the Americans belongs in the TV Character Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, If we don't, I'm throwing my microphone, walking out of my own apartment, and never coming back again. So, uh, your move, Clint and Kate.
1: All right. I
0: feel like we should, like, call it to order. This feels much fancier than these usually do.
1: Gavel, gavel, gavel.
0: Oh, that was very good. That sounded just like a gavel. It was so weird. Thank you. Who dares to submit a member to the whole... Nope, I'm letting it go. Let's do this. So let's do the damn thing! Ugh. Before we start, before we get into the characters we've chosen, and as per usual, I'm the only one who knows who everybody picked. Um, so that there's some suspense. It's fun. Uh, we're doing it live. Uh, I have a okay. I have a suggestion I would like to make. My rash proposal is this. I propose... That we don't debate, just vote on putting Philip and Elizabeth Jennings both in the Hall of Faces call it good, then start a new Hall of Faces and actually debate the supporting characters because there's no way this conversation is going to be any fun if we're just figuring out which Jennings it's going to be, especially because I'm obsessed with Kate's pick and I really would like to talk about it. <laughs> um, it's our show. We can do whatever we want. I'm feeling very sentimental about the Americans at the moment. Uh, it is, it's, I know it's rash. I know it's shocking. I can hear that you're shocked, but I would like to know what you think about this very rash proposal of mine,
1: but Allison, you're breaking the paradigm we've set up for two whole episodes now. Oh,
2: hey, it's three, isn't it? It's three, yeah, it's three. It's, it's, it's three. three. <laughs> I think that, um, inducting three characters at once into the Hall of Faces because, as you say, Allison, there's no way that we're gonna say, like, mm, are they worth it? Mm, no, that's not gonna happen today. Feels like too much. I'm very comfortable just saying, Philip and Elizabeth are great. They're not my pick. Let's do them another time. But I'm the guest. So really, whatever y'all want to do is what we're going to do. Well,
1: If we're not discussing them this episode, then I feel like they should just get inducted. I guess that's my feeling.
0: I mean we can we can pretend that it's like oh say season six of the Americans, and that there's a jump in time and the status quo have changed, so we're really what <laughs> wow. we're doing is we're voting Philip and Elizabeth Jennings in because they belong in they're two of the best written characters in just in TV history Uh, and Elizabeth in particular, I think is unique in TV history in the way that she's written in the way that she was played in the way that she was treated for six seasons on television. I can't think of another character like her and she belongs in there. Uh, Then we can just go about our business. I'll retire as a spy uh, Kate you can continue on on your own get really tired and Clint you can continue your training and then eventually get an internship at the State Department and then we'll return and we'll be ready for another American's Hall of Faces and then we can induct a supporting character
1: that checks out
0: isn't I mean that's how life works right so like yeah. we'll just we'll just jump what is it four years into the future is it a four-year jump three-year jump something like that I don't sure.
1: know it's, I don't know it's Yeah. <laughs> Lord knows I don't know. Yeah,
0: Clint hasn't gotten that far. This is going to be I believe
2: it's a three-year jump. Okay. Um so here's what I'll say. Uh, we had a knockdown drag out over Mad Men. When it, let's be honest, all four of those characters belong in the Hall of Faces. So it feels a bit maybe the the dread slippery slope argument here. It feels like a bit much to just skip over because we want to get to the fun stuff uh but i'm also pretty confident i'm outvoted it's two to one yeah but
0: kate you're the most persuasive of the three of us like i am regularly bent to your will um (laughs) in a way i'm happy to be and happy to be um because you're very persuasive uh so like by all means talk me out of it it's i am definitely thinking with my heart and not my head so i am a philip in this situation and you are an elizabeth <laughs> you are focused on the mission. I am focused on my feelings. You are on the job. I am line dancing.
1: And I'm just a Henry who just t- kind of doesn't know yeah, what's going on. Yeah, you are totally at just
0: at Stan's house right now.
1: Yeah, we're, I'm watching Tron on a VHS tape.
2: <laughs> okay, so here's the last thing I will say about this: the fact that you are more interested in debating which of the supporting characters belongs rather than having a just like a amazing debate over Philip versus Elizabeth. Tells me that you're actually more interested in the supporting characters. Controversial statement. And that maybe they belong in the Hall of Faces. Like they belong. They they deserve to go in first. I think that's more like me as
0: a programmer. I think Mm -hmm. the conversation (laughs) of your character versus my secondary character versus Clint's secondary character. Because I told him to have a backup because of the situation specifically. Because I had this idea. I, I just think that's a more interesting conversation to listen to um, mm-hmm. because I also don't fit like I, for example, so... Today, the day we're recording, um, so Saturday, uh, COS published the best in TV of May two thousand eighteen, which is a thing I do every month. We pick an episode of the month and a performance of the month, and uh, I cheated and picked Matthew Reese and Carrie Russell because it felt wrong to pick one of them because of the because it's the end, right? It's not like I can trade off and pick Matthew Reese next month or pick Carrie Russell next month. It's Not as though next season there's going to be an opportunity to focus on the other one. This is it. That's the end of the road. I don't know that we're going to have an occasion to talk about the Americans again anytime soon. So I guess that's also sort of feeding it. But they feel like a unit to me. However, and that that is kind of, if we're going to do it, if we're not going to make that leap, if we're not going to jump three years into the future, that's what I would (laughs) suggest. Somebody would take, you know, Clint, uh, Clint would take his backup pick Or I would take my backup pick and he would take Philip and Elizabeth together. It would be the Jennings as a unit because the show depends on that unit. It's a duet in a way that I think most shows and films really aren't. There's usually, if there's that kind of duet, it's usually like a really powerful antagonist, really compelling antagonist. If it's a married couple, it's usually more like rom-commy or high jinx-y um, rather than two incredibly compelling stories that run parallel to each other but are also inextricably linked. Um, you couldn't make the argument that it's more Elizabeth's show or more Philip's show because it just wouldn't work. You take one of them out and the whole thing falls apart. It's the uh, the story of those two people who have their own individual arcs. So, So that's what I would suggest. Only then it's like, then it's like putting Wally West in the wave rider, but not making sure that he's going to be <laughs> underpowered sometimes. Like it's too yeah. much. Then it's nuclear strength. Then the conversation is incredibly one sided. So I, I guess I, I'm feeling kind of stuck. L- like I can't decide whether or not we should be picking up Henry before we flee to Canada.
1: I'll put this to you, Kate, um, because since I, I presume that your pick is not one of the Jenningses, I would inevitably have to take one of the Jenningses. And do you want one of them to be argued for by someone who's only seen half of the Americans? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, the fact that neither the Jennings are my pick and didn't even it didn't even occur to me allison may remember when we were talking about this i was like oh of course i would pick blank and it didn't even occur to me to pick either of them and that just shows the wealth of characters on the show um that says it all for me but that's me i think we can skip past this part because y'all are gonna outvote (laughs) me and let's get to the next part No, I want, but I want it to mean something, (laughs) and you're so persuasive.
0: So I I mean, I think like
2: (laughs) you keep saying it, but I'm not persuading you either. No, (laughs) I think
0: you have persuaded me. I think that you have, like, I the feeling I have right now is when you know that you should be cleaning the refrigerator because you promised you would clean the refrigerator (laughs) and you have to because you're about to have company but I'm already sitting down and I'm so comfortable and I don't wanna (laughs) like that's where I'm at I'm at I don't wanna but eventually I'm gonna get up and do it because it has to be done like that I just what I want is to somehow with my shitty argument convince you so I don't have to admit that you're right (laughs) (laughs)
2: um but i think you probably are i am game for one person doing philip and elizabeth as a unit though if you know i'm down for that
1: well i mean i, I almost feel like that would be unfair too right because i mean it's too on
2: i think that there's
0: not much of an argument personally that philip and elizabeth are the most compelling characters on the show and that they both deserve to be in the Hall of faces however uh if kate hadn't picked kate's character i would have so like I do think that it's a like a good and interesting fight. Um, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe mm, no, you know what? Let's just do it. Let's do it.
1: Yeah, let's do the damn thing. Let's do
0: oh God, let's do I the did damn it! thing. Um, great. With that, let's take just a couple of minutes and talk about who we didn't pick. And Clint and I both had backups, so this will be pretty easy. Kate, where if you had to like pretend that I'd been like, ooh, sorry, no, Kate, okay, you can't have that character," and also you can't have the Jenningses. Who would you have gone for? There, I mean, there's a wealth of riches there. So, who
2: else is interesting to you? I have to really think about it. Um, probably, I would go because a character like. Um, Stan, as great as Stan is, um, feels like a character I've seen other places just done better. So I wouldn't pick Stan. Maybe I'd go Claudia. Yeah, I think I think maybe maybe Claudia, though I would have to really ponder. For me, again, I I've done I've been fortunate enough to be asked not to do several Halls of Faces at this point. Um and some shows it's like there's one clear pick for me and for other shows, it's like many of them. (laughs) I got so many that I like that I think are all like very balanced for me, for the Americans, there was, there's only one that I would uh, defend to the same level. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll put, I'll, I'll put Claudia as my backup. Yes.
0: Excellent. Uh, Clint. Claudia was, well, Claudia slash Gabriel was your backup. Do you want to talk about Gabriel a little? Because I'm also a big Gabriel fan.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. Um. I mean, like, the, again, I am almost finished with season three so that's the issue um so i'm i'm still fairly new to gabriel but the impression i get from that and from clips i've seen in the future and i because I was going to talk about both claudia and gabriel as my backups because i wanted to talk about the handlers because i think both claudia and gabriel like fulfill this very interesting role in the show as i see it so far um where they're almost these um these grand maternal or grand paternal figures for uh for philip and elizabeth not just To um, give them orders and everything, but there is this security that comes from them, even as things happen where Claudia will, um, you know, betray them or like, you know, they'll go against one of their orders. I think Gabriel in particular is really interesting because he was their first handler. So right when you meet him in season three, there's this instant familiarity. There's this grandfatherly camaraderie that that, that the three of them have. And uh, he's so innately, intimately interested in their family. And so there is this element of, you know, relation almost that, that sort of infuses their um, their relationship while still feeling like, he's the person to help handle their mission and so I think in that respect it's interesting Frank Langella is always a really interesting performer he underplays things in a really interesting way I love his cagey voice and like those steely eyes and uh yeah I just think he's a really um compelling character especially in the role he plays in the show which is very similar to Margot Martindale's esteemed character actress Margot Martindale
0: you are gonna I forgot exactly how long Gabriel had been in for the point you are there's Mm. so much good Gabriel shit coming your way I'm very excited for you I'm I'm jealous kind of that you're gonna get to experience all this stuff Um, Uh one of the characters that I'm most jealous that you get to experience for the first time is where I'd go as a backup I'm a bigger Stan Stan than Kate is
1: (laughs) someone had to say it
0: but I also acknowledge that part of that is just that Noah Emmerich is so good and I'm on a bit of a Noah Emmerich High because he's so good in that parking garage scene, but there were, there were a couple of periods of like, oh, poor, sad Stan where not much happened with him. So I, I think that there's some recency bias in terms of my immediate love for Stan at the moment. My instinct was... Kate's pick when I was thinking about someone other than the Jennings um, which is one of my favorite characters in the show and favorite um, performances in the last several years of TV Um, but I have a similar if slightly more muted response to William Crandall the Dylan Baker character that sits sort of at the center of season four Um, it's a one season arc but it is a doozy and in his somewhat limited experiences he makes a hell of an impact it helps that it's a great dylan baker performance um but and helps in a narrative sense in that he ends up being sort of a reflection of the jennings like a almost a there but for the grace of god sort of situation um but uh, he's also just a really interesting character in his own right. You peel back the layers and he gets more and more compelling, more and more um, complicated. And uh, he's a major part of some of the best episodes in the show's history. So I think maybe I would go with William Crandall. But I also felt like a little strange about that. Like I was surprised by how strongly I feel about that character that I haven't really thought about recently. Um, does that, is that weird, Kate? Do you think that holds up? no
2: <laughs> I don't think that's weird at all okay. because my because of my pick is um the other ones that of course come to mind are Nina Zaevna um but mm. I feel like that one again I feel like I've seen things like that just really it's really well done in this show uh, the other one that if if there was like a longer span of the show exploring this character I think would be a really strong contender is Tuan because mm-hmm. I think that is just a really dense and interesting and complicated character that they barely scratch the surface of and that you can tell there's a lot more there just that's not what the show was focused on but you could definitely have a spinoff just about that character and there'd be plenty to explore um but because he's only really in that one season um I, that while that is a more specific and uh for me very fascinating character If I'm going to look at the Americans' other show, other characters are going to come to the fore before that because they're just a larger part of the run.
0: Yeah. Um, we should also probably mention Oleg, who I know Kate's not a huge fan of. I am I think that Costa Ronan is really good. I was always sort of irritated whenever Oleg was on screen in the early seasons. Um, but I am pretty sure that that was intentional because the slow development of that character into a person, um, into the person that we see in season six, making the choices that he makes, meeting the fate that he meets, uh, feels like it was... Planned, sort of. I don't know if it was planned all along, but it feels like it was planned all along. And that is really significant. And um, I can't wait to see him in more things. Uh, I think that that is probably about. Oh, Paige. There's also Paige.
1: Yeah, we gotta, gotta <laughs> talk about Paige. Gotta talk
0: about Paige. What? No love for Pastor Tim. Come on. Oh, <laughs> oh, Pastor Tim um he surprised me in season six i'll say that um Uh oh and there's poor matthew and kimmy oh god uh also just in terms of really liking a performer and a performance while recognizing that they're not all that essential to the show um i'm a i'm a big fan of young he and the effect that she had on her season um played by ruthie and miles um uh, uh really wonderful broadway actress who went through some really terrible shit in the last year um but uh yeah young he big fan um and then yes page poor henry henry's not gonna be on anybody's list but man (laughs) when they made henry count they really made him count
1: i was gonna say like i was gonna give a quick shout out to to gad mostly just because i enjoy watching john boy walton as a spy master and uh and also lois smith like her one episode turn in the in season three was was uh, fantastic i'm I really such
0: a lois smith fan there's a movie that's only just okay that came out last year called marjorie prime but it is worth seeing it for her it's the reason the movie got made because she did the play and then they turned the play into a movie so that they could basically document this incredible f- performance to film so go find marjorie prime if you like lois lois smith and do male robots dream of electric sheep still one of the it is on
1: amazon prime um
0: oh lord one of the best episode titles in the history of tv i think i think that's about it should we get into the main event
1: sure let's do
0: this let's, thing. L- let's do the damn thing all right clint yes tell the people who you picked
1: Okay, well, uh, my pick was uh, one of the sort of more interesting background characters, uh, Clark Westerfeld. Uh, he's this guy, who, <laughs> this bespectacled man who starts a relationship with Martha Hansen to co- sort of find out some of the FBI secrets she carries for some mysterious reason. I haven't really figured it out. Um, I didn't look up the actor. I forgot to look him up. But, man, he's just compelling. Like, you know, and I, I, I always wonder where he is when he's not oh, on screen.
0: Clint, that's a good bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> What?
0: That's a really good bit. Um, maybe just in case someone doesn't remember who Clark is, <laughs> let's let's drop
1: the illusion. Isn't he just Clark? What? Who is he?
0: Uh, so, Clint's pick is Philip Jennings, <laughs> played by Matthew That's Reese.
1: Philip? <laughs> you're you're shitting. But Matthew Reese doesn't wear glasses. Oh, bro. <laughs> it's a good I'm bit. Shatter my world. Take
0: your bow. Take your bow. Really good bit
1: fine 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 yes i picked philip uh with my three seasons of experience uh (laughs) i will attempt to defend philip jennings Even i do i really love the character i mean it's it's such a fascinating arc for him i mean it's it's so tough because like we said before you know comparing his journey to elizabeth's journey they're, they're they have largely similar you know basic circumstances but there are enough differences to really set them apart um i I guess at this point at the point in the show I'm in, I'm it's really interesting to see the 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 various rifts and characters that they have. Um yeah, especially seeing um the more protective nature that he has towards Paige. And I feel like he's sort of leaning towards more of a uh, you know, leaning more towards an American perspective. I don't really know. I don't really know much about how to how to defend him, other than just Matthew Reese is just uh, killing it, and he has the most perfect teeth on television, and um, and some pretty great uh, wigs. Asia
0: O'Hara would like a word. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, no, he, he's just uh fantastic. I don't really have much to say about
0: him. I'm gonna go next since mine is also pretty obvious. Uh, I picked elizabeth jennings she of the many faces many more wigs and the dramatic painting burnings in parking garages um I think that Carrie Russell's performance is one of the great, relatively unheralded, which is funny to say because it's, if you asked anybody who pays a lot of attention to TV, they would say, oh, well, yeah, Carrie Russell's performance on The Americans is one of the greats right now. And yet, it somehow gets shouted out by these other really great performances, and they are great your Elizabeth Mosses, your Carrie Coons, your Claire Foys. But, um, But she's been working at this level for six seasons and creating something incredibly subtle. Sometimes the only thing that gives away what she's feeling is the vein in her forehead. And outside of that, the the way that Elizabeth Jennings is written has always been really powerful to me. When we meet her, we're immediately shown somebody who is incredibly focused, incredibly driven, not skittish often impatient uh, with very little interest in gray areas or um, in anything that doesn't pertain to the mission. She is the hardliner. She is the good soldier. She is the tried and true servant of her country and um, her gradually evolving, extremely gradually evolving perspective, um, her relationship with Philip, her uneasy relationship with her children, is has been one of the great TV journeys in in well ever. I was gonna say in the last ten years, but fuck it, ever. Elizabeth Jennings, there's nobody like her. Kate, I'm so excited to talk about your pick. <laughs>
2: Hit us. Well, my pick is obviously who you have to go with for the Americans, and that's Martha. Martha Hansen, played by Alison Wright. And I think it uh, says so much about this character that she's not even in season six at all. She, like, barely pops up in season five, if I'm remembering the season breakdowns correctly. She's, she's in season five, but not a lot. And she's not even in season six, but she's still, for me, more than any, more than Philip, more than Elizabeth, she is the heart of this show. Um, And when I think of the Americans, yes, I will think of the Grouching. Yes, I will think of the train. Yes, I will think of other things. But the first image I always go to when I think of this show is the wig reveal with Martha. And it's, I don't go to Clark's face. I don't go to Philip's face. I go... To Martha's face, and I go to Allison Wright's incredible performance. Yes, Matthew Reese is also amazing in that scene, but for me, that is the moment that I will always think of first when I think of the Americans, and it is because of how invested I was. In Martha's journey and in Martha as an individual, the care that the show took with um, someone who, again, and I, this is something plenty of people have talked about, but on any other show, Martha would be a joke. She would be a punchline. She would be a, a point of ridicule or pity. And she is not. She is never that on the Americans. And um, she, again, she is the. Heart. Of this show. uh, For me, at least. And I look forward to debating with you guys. Because, like, I would never... Like, as great as they are, and they're great characters, I would never go for Philip or Elizabeth before I would pick Martha.
0: I agree with almost everything you're saying particularly about that wig reveal which is also the moment of the americans for me that is the scene that i think about first uh that may change six months from now i might be thinking about page on that train platform and that might be the moment um but the year that that aired i think that's season three that's got to be season three because season four is travel agents and um david copperfield i uh, am i correct kate i think yeah. so yeah um but the year that that episode aired, I was the only thing that I could really think about. (laughs) Like every time Mm. I started to think about other TV shows, I would just think about how the most violent thing I saw on television that year was somebody removing his wig and for, and the reaction of the person he was revealing himself to. Um, It's as though she's watching someone be murdered and she is, she's watching Clark be murdered. She's watching her, relationship be murdered she's watching these like tiny little nuggets of fear that have been growing in her emerge as a full-grown monster it's a horror movie playing out in her life in that moment and it's so upsetting and so visceral and all it is is somebody taking a wig off so you're totally right there but that scene never happens without philip and elizabeth jennings you know what i mean like it's not Mm -hmm. it's This incredible moment and, um, there are a lot of really incredible Martha moments. I think travel agents that episode where they have to find and contain her, um, before she's bustled off to, uh, Russia is, um, also incredibly upsetting and horrifying and her I guess that's at the end of the episode previous but her standing in the street and shouting at Gabriel is another moment that I think about a lot and go to a lot with the Americans um, but Martha doesn't exist without Philip and Elizabeth and the Martha Clark relationship doesn't take the tone it takes without the Philip and Elizabeth relationship. Part of the reason that her story is so compelling is because of what it means to the Jennings marriage and the complexity of knowing that Philip does care about this person. Um, He is invested in her. He feels responsible for her. He feels terribly guilty about her. I think that what happens to Martha is one of the things that eventually drives him to make the choice he makes at the end of season five i think that that is sort of the tipping point and from there phillips it's not like he wasn't already sort of declining that snowball was already rolling down the hill but that's really when it starts to pick up speed um but all, all of that the the issue of i like i think about when i think about the Jennings who are no longer the Jennings in Russia and I'm wondering whether or not they're going to meet Martha in the supermarket it isn't because I want to know what happened to Martha although I do I wish we had seen Martha in this season but when I imagine that meeting it's because I imagine the conversation that the Jennings have when they get home it's what Elizabeth says or doesn't say and feelings that she may or may not feel and whether or not she thinks there's any validity to them and it's uh, essentially a love triangle but without the love and where two of the parties involved know that there's nothing they can do about it because it's just a part of their job and it's i don't i i think that basically my point is that i think that martha is an incredible character but she is a character that doesn't exist at all without philip and elizabeth
2: i disagree and here's why yeah (laughs) yeah because as as great as the the material is that Martha fuels for these other characters, for, for Philip and Elizabeth specifically, part of why she's such a great character is that we aren't... She isn't defined solely through her relationship with Philip. I loved watching her in The Office, her the rapport with uh, with Stan and with Gad, and, like, the fact that uh, that we got to see her as this person who's actually really good at her job and, and has all of these relationships and is out on the prowl, <laughs> until she meets uh, Clark, at least. Um, I felt like... Uh, I I knew so much about her in a comparatively short amount of time, considering it was just like, obviously she's a main character of the show for a while, but I, I do wonder what running into her would mean for the, for Philip and Elizabeth. But the reason I wonder that is because Martha is so interesting because Martha is such a remarkable character. If she was just, uh, just a, some function of them, I wouldn't, she wouldn't prompt interesting things in their relationship. She would be forgettable. She would just be another part of their work, but it's because she's so specific and she is so, uh, she, she is such a interesting and dynamic character, such a challenging character to, you know this different part of their lives and and certainly Philip's identity that she prompts any conflict and i in on on different shows a character like that would be would feel contrived or would feel very defined by what they were hoping to bring out in either Philip or Elizabeth but here she feels organic she feels fully developed and she feels uh just again very specific um and then Rather than a well, we need this character to provide tension or to provide you know, like to to make our characters feel guilty or to make the, our characters feel whatever. It, the, that's the kind of supporting character that started, I'm sure, like that in the writers' room, but became much more fleshed out to the point where it's okay now. What would make sense for Martha? And then once we are exploring Martha and what makes sense for her, then we'll piggyback back and forth of what how that affects our main characters. But it's not because, well, we want tension here, so let's change Martha or let's have her respond in this way so that it's it suits our story. It felt to me um, much more, again, organic than that and much more... Um, fully explored than that. The reason I'm less interested in her in Russia is because I actually do sour a little bit on, it felt a little pat like that when we went back to her the last time, um, I, I'm glad she got somewhat, uh, like a little sous of a happy ending, but, um, that didn't necessarily feel as genuine as everything else we, we got with her. And that's why I'm less, um, I spend less time wondering what she's up to now. Cause I feel like actually they, they loved Martha so much. The writers loved that character so much. They, they, they just couldn't bear to, to leave things where they had left them. And so that's why we saw her when we did, um, which is for me, a slight misstep in excellent, albeit very tragic character arc. I see what you mean
0: there. Um, but I just liked it so much, and it, I mean, it was also a chance to see <laughs> Gabriel too, um, yeah. and it it was comforting to know that somebody cared enough about what they had done to this poor woman to try to find a way for her to have some sort of happiness. Um, so uh, yeah, that's the kind of fan service I don't care about. Well, in that I do care about it, right? But that I don't object to um, because it just like feels right it's probably more dramatic um more narratively wrought i guess if um if we never see martha again when she gets on that plane but um i yeah i i don't care
2: i'm into it i want to know what clint thinks about this three seasons in
1: uh, it's interesting because I don't know because right now for me the the hammer hasn't fallen down on uh, on Martha for me but uh, I guess what I mean I enjoy the performance I uh, I appreciate that she sort of represents she's kind of the ultimate mark she's she's for the audience that's the ultimate impact of. Um, the Jennings infiltration into American society not just the you know the the infidelity or whatever um, or the impact that Martha has on their relationship but just sort of seeing the inherent tragedy that you know from the beginning that something terrible is going to happen to her or she's going to find out something just based on how much she loves this person who we know is not on the level but at the same time to go back to Philip Philip has such a high sort of not emotional intelligence, but um, just he's so he's so emotionally complex that he does start to feel feelings for for Martha, and I think the interplay between the two is so uh, is so interesting. But yeah, so I mean, I for for me in the show so far, uh, Martha is uh, is is an interesting character, especially for what she represents in this infiltration of American society.
0: I was so wrong, Kate, to let you lead me astray. Cause it should just be all three of them. You are terrible. <laughs> what did you do? You ruined everything. You stupid, <laughs> stupid bitch. <laughs> um, I just—I don't know. I feel it. Like- oh God, this is not. You know what? This is not Russia. We are a land of excess. We can have everything as liz lemon says when she shoves that what is it cake sandwich sandwich into her mouth on sandwich day i could
2: have it all yeah michelle wolf has a response to that when you check out um uh nice lady i look forward to your thoughts uh yeah there's that and again you guys can change the rules whenever you want um, and Oh, Clint, you have some really good stuff coming for you. <sighs> you've got yeah. such good stuff. As we've said, I'm jealous that you get to experience this stuff the first time, <laughs> and I look forward to hopefully lots of emoji-filled tweets.
1: Okay. I'll <laughs> so. do my best. I'll do my best.
2: Anyways, um, yeah. have either of you swayed towards... I haven't swayed, so have either of you swayed towards another pick, or are we just going to have to like call the whole thing off and put all three in?
0: It feels like we're gonna be leaving Paige on the platform. Yeah. But
1: yeah. that's just her fate, isn't it, I guess? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: I don't wanna
1: <laughs> <laughs> So what should we do then? Should we pick somebody? I mean I'm willing to give up Philip just for sheer virtue of I can't I can't really speak with much authority about the character. Um, towards Elizabeth Philip gets fitted for a suit in season six and it's
0: so loaded and his and Retha's performance is so good and we know so much about Philip that you watch him get fitted for a suit and you think like any number like 50 interpretations all he's doing is putting a suit on and your brain is like ping ponging from all the things it could be Philip is fucking amazing
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, I believe you. Yeah, and, and even already in the stuff I've seen, I enjoy the the emotional complexity, and I enjoy the the effect that living in America has had on him. Um, especially seeing, because you know you you, you think about um, you know the the idea of these people coming to this new land of of, of decadence and everything, and, and sort of, but you see the the empathy and the individual. Relationships he forges that start to sway him away from the homeland and uh, seeing that that battle of of wills within him is is really interesting, especially in season three, like uh, where I'm at right now, where he's sort of still wrestling with the knowledge that he has a son in the Russian army. And uh, not really knowing what to do with that and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I, in terms of emotional complexity, in, in a married couple on a television show, he he stands head and shoulders above, even at the point that I'm at.
2: Philip uh, goes dancing, goes out for uh, like a night of dancing um, in season six, Clint. And it's simultaneously uh-huh. the most pure, lovely, delightful thing you've ever seen and the most <laughs> heartbreaking thing you've ever seen. So Philip is terrific. Uh, If I had to if I had to pick between the Jennings, I would go Philip. I think I'm more interested in Philip, but I think I feel like he's a more dynamic character. But that's kind of also sort of the point. Um, He needs to counteract against someone, and so if. Uh, if if he was the more because um, I feel like he's more introspective, obviously, they, they, that's yeah. the log line for the character compared to Elizabeth. And if Elizabeth was that, then it wouldn't the show wouldn't work. You need a hardliner and a more malleable um, presence so that they can push each other and question each other and, you know, mm-hmm. create. And there's incredibly layered
1: things. friendship with Stan. Yeah. A little bit. Je- yeah, Clint, it's so Just fast. wait, yeah. just wait. I, mm. yeah, I know. Yeah,
0: um, Fuck it. I If there's a vote for it, I I want all three. I'm gonna be greedy. I'm feeling <laughs> sentimental. This is my comfort food after going through a very rough breakup when the Americans left me for not being a TV show anymore. All right,
1: I say aye.
2: Hey, if it gets Martha in there.. Great. all three. We did it.
1: So we ended (laughs) up circling back around to the thing we were going to do in the first place. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) I love it. I love it.
0: Before we talk ourselves out of it, let's let's run. Um, let's like run screaming from the scene of the crime. So, Clint, what is your pick for the episode of next week? What are you most excited about?
1: Uh, something that both Kate and I have seen in possibly the best possible circumstances: the long-awaited series finale movie of Sense Eight which is on Netflix, uh, and uh, we all live in Chicago, and it's surrounding environs, and uh, both Kate and I went to the Music Box Theater, which is the best theater in the city, hands down, um, I think a Friday or two ago, to see the series finale with Lana Wachowski and a lot of the cast in attendance, and it was just this beautiful... um, this beautiful showing of love, this theater packed with people who just love this show. And it's a thing that the fans demanded and it came back. And it's this two hour thing that if you are a Sensate fan, you will forgive all of its flaws. Cause much like any Wachowski joint, it's big and sappy and busy. It has to, it feels like it has to fit a whole third season's worth of plot points and set pieces into two hours. And it does. And it's very tight. There's very like little fat on it, but um, And incredibly dense. But what it is, is very fulfilling and very cathartic for people who have invested so much time and energy and love into these characters. And it's such a brilliant way to, to send them off. Uh, just unabashed sentiment and emotion all the way through. And if, you're, if you have the stomach for it, you will be rewarded.
2: Well, and it's so very sensate in that way. It it, it is an excellent uh, way to say goodbye to that show. And definitely it's the best possible way to view that. (laughs) Finale is in a giant theater full of uh, people who love the show as much or more than you do, which, again, hard for us because we both love that show a lot. Cheering every
1: uh, time that Hot cop says anything.
2: Well, like, it's not even that. Like, yeah. as, as Clint is well aware, when the credits rolled at the beginning, they started cheering. We started cheering every time there was a shot of Chicago, <laughs> like, in the opening yeah. credits. We're like, "Whoa, <laughs> that's the bean. <laughs> I didn't know that yeah. spot. It, it, I was very sad
1: that I was the only person who cheered at the point in the opening credits where the two bears eat ice cream because that's my <laughs> favorite part of the opening title sequence.
2: There was there was some cheering there. I guess it just a wasn't bit. like as much as when the cubby bear showed
1: yeah, up. That's yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah.
2: Um, but no, it, it's is it only? Two, it felt, I thought it was like two and a half hours long. It um, might only be two. The, hours. the
1: event was two and a half. Uh, it's ah. possible that I mean I think it's two hours plus. But yeah, either way, it's yeah. a big it's a big like spectacle movie length event which you have to like it settles like. 10 episodes worth of plot into those those minutes. So, it has a lot a lot of plates to spin in a show that already has eight main characters and their own circle of supporting characters. It feels like the defenders, like a good to the defenders, but it's it, it's a whole lot of fun.
2: It's really real good. It's really
1: good. That is not your only pick next week, Kate though.
2: Um I just Shout out, Younger, So You Think You Can Dance and Cloak and Dagger are all either coming back or starting up next week. Uh, Queen Sugar is already back, but I'm behind, so I'm going to watch that next week. I haven't seen Pose yet, so that's exciting for me. But uh, the other one I was going to mention is the Tony Awards, uh, because they're being hosted by Sarah Bareilles and uh, Josh Groban. So, of course, I'm excited about that. Allison, you Do you want to watch the about?
0: Tony Awards this year? Um, <laughs> I do. I'm also excited about the Tony Awards. I want to talk about Dietland. It's a new show from AMC premiering tonight when you're hearing this, if you're listening on Monday. Um, I'm super looking forward to seeing more of it. The first three episodes are pretty uneven in that they're trying to do a bunch of things at once, but all of those things are really interesting, and there is a terrific lead performance from Joy Nash and a very interesting antagonist performance that seems kind of bogus and then seems not, um, from Juliana Margulies. So I'm super excited about both Dietland and Vita, which I'll be watching before this actually, um, mm. releases.
1: Um, all right. Well, that wraps up this episode of TV party.
2: Kate, where can people find you? Thank you so much for having me back guys. Um, people can find me over at the televerse.org, which is the website for my weekly TV podcast, the televerse you can find me on twitter at the televerse you can also find some of my writing at consequence of sound and at the av club uh but for more americans go over and listen to allison and i talk with uh alex mcleby of the av club for about a half an hour 35 minutes just about the finale and (laughs) trains and cars and you know it's okay it was awesome clint where can people find you
1: uh, people can mostly find me for the next two weeks sitting on a couch watching the rest of the Americans. But in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Alcahollywood, and as the co-host of the podcast Alcohollywood which you can find at com, and Nathan Rabin's Happy Cast, which you can find at NathanRabin.com. You
0: can find me on Twitter at Allison Shu. You can find my stuff at Consequence of Sound, the AV Club, and RogerEbert.com. And you can hear me on the podcast, Podlander Drunkcast, and Outlander Podcast. You can find TV Party at Facebook.com slash TV Party pod you can find us on twitter at tv party cos and you can email us at tv party at consequence of sound.net if you have a question you'd like answered
1: you can leave us a review on itunes Podchaser, whatever your podcast platform may be tv party is a production of the consequence podcast network check out our expanding roster of music film and television podcast programming at consequence of net.
0: this show is recorded and produced in chicago illinois and recorded and engineered by um, lover of Sense8, and defender of Philip, Clint Worthington. Thank you so much to Kate for being here, as as she so often is. Thank you to you for listening. Thanks to the Americans for six incredible seasons. Bye! Uh, Bye. Bye! Consequence Podcast Network